Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The 10th time they've made it! They've won a playoff campaign! And they've done it at Wembley! And for the first time in 74 years, Brentford will play in the top flight of English football! Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Elam Road podcast, where on tonight's show we're going to be going over two defeats against Brighton and Sheffield United back-to-back in the league. You might tell by my voice, I'm, I'm not the happiest, to be honest. Two performances weren't great. Uh, Brighton was was pretty poor. Sheffield United was was fairly terrible. But joining me tonight to dissect the last couple of results and also do a brief look ahead to Villa on Sunday is Craig. Craig, it feels like it's been a while since we've done one of these. Obviously, we didn't do sort of a review for Brighton straight away. I thought we'd just c- condense it into one episode. But how are you doing, mate? You all right? Well, I think as much of the same as everyone, I've had better weeks as a Brentford fan. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, it, it's probably been one of the hardest weeks as a Brentford fan in the Premier League, but I'm glad it's taken two and a half seasons for it to come. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Glass half full. Glass half full. That's what we say. Anyway, just before we get going, guys, remember to subscribe to our YouTube and Spotify channels. Leave a rating on those as well. And also give us a follow on our socials. That's at the Eden Road on Twitter and at Eden Road Pod on Instagram. Let's just get straight into it, Craig. We'll start with Brighton. Keep it fairly short, as it was just under a week ago. I tweeted after the game that there was a real golf in class, especially in that second half. I felt like every single time we won the ball back, we would give it away almost instantly. Lots of chasing shadows, obviously not helped by the injury crisis that we're going through at the moment. But it, it wasn't wasn't a good wasn't a good night down in the south coast, was it? No, not at all. Not to mention the traffic that everyone seemed to get stuck in on the way down there. It was horrendous. So for context, we missed the first 15 minutes of the game because we were stuck on the M23 for an hour and a half. It was horrendous. Um, But yeah, mate, I think that you've said it. Massive golfing class, but it's hard to overlook the injuries that we've got. It's hard to overlook it. When we was driving up to it and the teams have got announced, it was the first time I've looked at the teams and I thought, God, we're in Shit. trouble. We're in, <laughs> we're, like, we're in trouble. And it's the last two teams, Sheffield United, I know we'll move on to it, but it was the two teams that we've just had in this past week that have really made me look at the starting eleven and go, Jesus Christ, we're in a bit of trouble here. Yeah, I know. I think especially with, with Norgard out for that Brighton game as well. Yeah. I, I did I did have hope for Shandon Baptiste, but he just he hasn't done too no. well, which is which is it's a little bit sad because I'm a big I'm a big fan of Shandon's and I thought he might kick on after getting a goal against Luton. But we should um we should touch on Brian, obviously injured in the first half, scored, scored the penalty before he went off. He's now out for weeks. I did see that he might actually be a doubt for AFCON, which is 
kind of a Shame. silver lining, I guess. Uh, obviously not for him, <laughs> <laughs> not not for him, but for us Brentford fans, it might mean that we that we don't miss him for that for that period. I think it's like a month or so when the Afcon's yeah. going on. But uh, we are having a rotten old time with injuries at the moment, and even further perpetuated by by Brian going off against Brighton. Yeah, absolutely horrendous, and I do feel sorry for him because I think this would be the first Afcon that he's been. You know, selected for because he would have been picked for it because obviously he he changed his allegiance recently to Cameroon, so he would have been picked for it. And when I saw him hobbling off, I just had flashbacks to Alan Judge at Ipswich. He was in the running for that Ireland team uh, yeah. to go to the Euros, and then obviously a big big competition for your country coming up, and you and you're hobbling off the pitch. It was it wasn't nice to see at all. It was a horrendous injury as well. Watching the videos back of him rolling his ankle was disgusting. Yeah, I know. Big shame as well because he has he has been our kind of key player, and we did look a little yeah. bit lost with that. I'd, and the thing is, I didn't really expect us to look that lost without him at Sheffield, but we really just lacked any kind of cutting edge up top. Well, let's, yeah. I did want to talk briefly, and I said this chat about Brighton will be brief, but I do want to talk a little bit about Mads because I was speaking to Josh Mahoney at half time. So shout out, Josh, if you're listening yeah. um, about <laughs> Mads Rasulev, and. It, it's it's a it's a weird one with Maz because I'm a really big fan of his and and I know we gave him a bit of stick I don't can't remember if it was the first season in the Premier or maybe the second season when he kind of had that the second season because he played really well against Man City and then he went on a kind of run where he was really good at right back yeah. kind of deputising for whoever was out at the time but one thing I've noticed about him recently and it kind of it, it's a bit of a throwback to the Championship days but I remember when Mads was kind of first breaking into the team in the Championship. And he'd come on maybe on 60 minutes and he always wanted to get forward. He was one of those players where I don't know how, because he's not the paciest. He doesn't have he doesn't have a yard of pace in him, but he somehow managed to every time he get down that right hand flank, he'd do something. But now it's it's like when he gets the ball, he's he's too scared to go forward with it. So he always ends up going back. He doesn't have the pace to get round his man. Are we talking about a player that maybe the championship is his ceiling? Because I don't want to write him off because I'm a big fan of his, but in terms of a right back, that that drop off, and there are a few that we've noticed now with these injuries coming in. The drop off in positions in terms of Rico Henry at left back, Ivan Tony up top, and also Aaron Hickey at right back with how good he started the season. Is is he someone that we're looking now and thinking, okay, maybe we need to get a new right back in January or the next transfer window in the summer? It's it's hard. It's hard, isn't it? Because we often play Chris. Chris Ayer at right back as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and and I I found myself this season watching Mads playing at a right wing back because there's only been a couple of games where he's played right back in the, in a back four. I still don't know what formation we played at Brighton, by the way. <laughs> I still have no idea. I think it was a four four two, wasn't it? Kind well, of. I don't but... know, I, I'm sure it was at one point. It was Mads as one of the centre backs. Got off at right wing back. Yeah, now at the other. I I just couldn't. I didn't know what the team was. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. figure it out, but. I, I do feel bad for him, like you say, because he did so well, broke into the team, and and that run of games last year after we beat, you know, City and he's gone on that spell. There's there's very clearly a good player in there. It's just, yeah, his his ceiling may not be the Premier League. He he isn't a shining light in the team. He steps in and does a job when he has to, but in a situation like this where we we're absolutely riddled with injuries and he's starting games. You notice, unfortunately, yeah. a weakness down that right hand side with him there. Yeah, and I think it's it's particularly kind of 
pronounced when we play a team like Brighton because we are going to get space and we did get space in that first half uh, specifically. Yeah. And he just isn't one to exploit the space like he did in the championship. But I just feel like maybe sometimes he's just playing with the brakes on a little bit because he's scared that he's going to give the ball away. But Absolutely. sometimes I just remember when I just I remember speaking to Josh at half time and I just say in the championship, I really rated him in terms of his attacking yeah. output because he wasn't afraid to take his man on or, or nutmeg someone or take it past someone. But he just he just not he's not doing that this season and. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe we need to go in the transfer market and look for a right back in the next window. I think we should also talk about seriously missing Matty Jensen in the middle of the park. Maybe it was more yep. pronounced again with with Norgard being out and Onyeka having to play that kind of anchoring role, whether it was Onyeka or Yano. Or no, was it Yano? Was that it? Or left back against Brighton? Maybe. Yeah, it was because uh, Yamo started in midfield, and I, I want to talk about Yamo because he's been a shining light yes, for me. Yeah. Yamo's been a shining light for me in the last two games, as he has been sort of when he's had this run in the team, which made me slightly confused when Frank hooked him at half-time against Brighton, because I thought he was one of the best, if not the best player on our side. I, mate, I think everyone looked lost on the pitch against Brighton. Once once we lost Brighton, the yeah. whole game plan just kind of went out of the window, unfortunately. Um, and they were so good. Brighton were good. Yeah. I mean, actually, were they? I mean, we were, we were really poor. The last two games, we've been really poor. So we'd have made anyone look good, unfortunately. And case in point, we made Sheffield United, who were, were, were marked to be the worst Premier League team we've ever seen. But like, <laughs> you know I mean? So uh, it's it's difficult. But but yeah, I agree. I mean, we've spoken about it so much recently, um, playing in the middle. And I think that if he stays fit and he keeps taking the opportunities that he's getting in midfield... We'll see a lot more of him. I'm very impressed. A lot of people are very impressed by him. Yeah, hundred percent. I think he's. I think he's class, and it is just. It's weird because I didn't really see him as that kind of <clears throat> Jensen style player, but he does have that, and he also has a little bit of Norgard's tenacity in terms of pressing, and he's also got a bit of Onyeka's pressing abilities. He's kind of <laughs> at the moment. I'm. I'm trying. I'm speaking about him as if he's the perfect midfielder, but I do want to see him like have a good run in the team. When we have these injuries back, I'd like to see him start. I, I think. Sure. I think. I think. Going. Going back to your original point of what you mentioned, Jensen, besides the past two games, um, which what was the last game he played? Because he didn't play against Luton. No, he, he was injured. Against... Yeah. But I mean, game, bef- game before Luton. I, I I know you said you're a big advocate for him, but Shandon hasn't lit the world on fire for me. He hasn't done no. anything, unfortunately, to impress. He scored a very, very scrappy goal against Luton. And we gave him his dues, you know what I mean? Give him a credit, paid him his dues, but he hasn't he hasn't done anything really to 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 warrant Not enough. starting a game. Should we get that full midfield back? Now I know we're going to go on to him, but Damsgaard, <laughs> I know he's going to go on to Damsgaard. But when he came on against Brighton, I was impressed by him. I know obviously we're going to have the conversation about him. I was impressed by him. I thought he was creating chances. He was breaking the lines, and. He was that player that the, the few of us that were there together looked at as that's what Jensen would be doing. That's what Jensen yeah. would be doing, and we've we've missed Jensen so much. And it's difficult. It's not difficult. It's it's funny saying we've missed him so much after all of the grief and abuse that he's been given <laughs> over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, I think uh, it's just a lot. We'll, we'll get onto Damsgaard because I think we are going to disagree about him. Um, and I know that I know that it's a bit of a hot topic with Brentford fans because he is 
approaching marmite territory like like on yeah. is uh, I, I don't want to talk about on anymore but last last <laughs> point last, last point on brighton i don't know if you listened to the preview that i did with uh, rich parr the brighton fan but he he told me that brighton were injury they had as as many injuries as we do and in that second half when they just kept bringing on these subs i was just thinking he was just te- he was just leading me down the garden path because yeah it really showed the gap in between the teams where we were struggling we had to bring on damsgaard and like you say he, he was good i'll give him his props for the brighton game he was good when he came on but we were just crying out for some fresh legs in that game and brighton just kept bringing him on and i was just like rich you've you've, you've just told me bollocks because <laughs> you, you, you're just bringing on these players he's tearing us apart they brought on james milner i thought now they're really taking the piss but anyway, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll move on. We'll move on from Brighton. We'll go on to Sheffield United. That was a uh, a truly miserable day in Yorkshire for for those that went. They'll, they'll know what I mean. It was raining. It, we had one chance in the game that Morpay probably should have done better with. To be fair, it takes a bit too long in the box. I said before the game that I didn't fancy it, and I feel I feel like that was a bit of a consensus on on Twitter, especially that it was just one of those games with Wilder. It not being his first game back in charge, but with it being his first kind of winnable game back in charge, I know they had they hosted Liverpool in midweek, but with the kind of machine that Liverpool are at the moment, I didn't really see them stumbling. But I knew that they'd be up for it because they know that they could probably get a result against the against the Brentford side with this many injuries, and it just really wasn't our day, was it? No, not at all, not at all. <laughs> I told you, I did, I did buy a ticket. <laughs> and I swerved it on the day. I just I, I woke up in the morning and I, it was miserable outside. And I'm thinking, oh, I have no confidence. And and I said it on last week's episode after the Luton game that I was worried about the Sheffield United game. And I'm so glad I swerved it. I, I had my ticket and I just woke up and I thought, ah, do you know what? I just don't fancy <laughs> it today. I just don't fancy it today. <laughs> I might miss out on the, on the taps, but trust me, boys, I've got enough. I don't need to worry about that. Yeah, but no, I, it was, it was I, a good I, call. I just, I'm so glad I swerved it. I've been to Sheffield United a few times, and the memories of that that famous two-all game with the Red Battle of Bramble Lane. The Battle of Bramble, yeah, it lives long in the memory, and I don't want to taint that with the crap that we put out <laughs> on, on Saturday. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, having watched it back on Match of the Day a couple of times now, I think Onyeka was was so lucky to stay on the pitch. Yeah. I think every time I watch it, it gets worse and worse. I don't know how they haven't overturned that because it's the most clear and obvious overturn, overturning of a decision I've I've seen, especially in terms of a red card. Like, the, the bloke's gone down on the floor. I can't remember who it was, but he's gone down on the floor and he's basically gone about halfway up his leg, studs yeah. up. And it would have been it would have been a lot worse had that decision been overturned. Let, let's um, there's we should talk about the goal before we talk about some individual performances. I know that you had a little thread on Twitter about Mark Flecken, oh, another 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 kind of spate of grief for the for our summer signing. Uh, I think it's 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 unjustified. I think if we're going to talk about anything with that goal, we should talk about the defending before when Pinnock kicked yep. it into Norgard. Yeah, no. But I'll, I'll let yeah, you fire no. away on on Flecken because it was a pretty. Impassion, uh, passionate thread that you put out on Twitter. So I let you fire away. I just, I just feel like we're we're giving grief to a Brentford player. First and foremost, he's a player that wears our shirt week in, week out. Whether people think he's good enough or not, everyone's right to have their own opinion. But there have been some fans out there who have been labelling him as the worst signing we've ever made the worst goalkeeper in the Premier League. We're talking about a football club that signed Nick Proschwitz 
you know. Like, <laughs> hey, I won't have yeah. that. Nick Proshvitz no, came up with some I, important I, guys at some point. Yeah, Robert Runaway, so important. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're we're talking about a club that signed Ryan Williams. This, you know, <laughs> we're talking about a football club that signed Andy Gogia. People are giving him grief because they need someone to give grief to. It's it's yeah. I made the point on Twitter about a couple of goals because there's that twat Uzi on Twitter who always <laughs> posts shit. This is my swearing rant. He always posts shit about Brentford on there and he never has anything positive to say. Yeah? The last positive thing that he fucking did was probably oh, I can't, a COVID test, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? It's, he, he frustrates me. And the tweet was about Flecken. Um, and Strakosha, because someone posted a, rep- a response to him saying Strakosha played a game, conceded two goals in two minutes, and if he'd have held the ball, we wouldn't have lost that game. And the, his response was, "We had a full strength defense. We we had a full strength defense. You can't blame the goalkeeper." And I'm like, "Okay, yeah. thank you, thank you for putting it exactly like that. Thank you for putting it exactly like that. Let's look at Sheffield United, for example, shall we?" We've got two midfielders playing at fullback. We've got a 19-year-old kid playing in midfield. Yeah, let's go to Sheffield United. We got uh, sorry Brighton. We've got two midfielders playing at fullback. We didn't have a captain. We've got a 19-year-old playing in midfield. But let's blame the goalkeeper. We're, we're, yeah. He is. He's the scapegoat this season. It was Jensen before. It was John Swift before. It was Romain Sawyer's before. Brentford fans can't just accept that we're going for a bit of a tough spell at the moment with injuries. They need someone to blame. And if we're going to talk about the goal that we conceded at Sheffield United, I, I saw a friend of mine yesterday, but it's up this way, up my way, he came in for a cup of tea and we had a chat about the Sheffield United game. And he said, Jan Elk got taken out of the game so easy, which he did, got not made completely taken out of the game. We then scramble in our own penalty area to try and clear the ball. And Pinnock, who, by the way, unreal all season, kicks it straight into Yano again. And it falls to someone on the edge of the box. No one shuts him down. Gets it out to the, the lad who was definitely not, wearing, definitely not wearing shin pads, if you ask me. <laughs> He's a good player, though, McAtee. I quite like him. Good player, yeah. I think if, I think if he keeps playing City, he'll keep a hold of him and he'll, he'll be yeah. a good player. Yeah. And then... He manages to put one in the top corner. Now, my mate who was at the game was behind the goal in the angle the ball was going into that top corner. And he said Brentford fans were jeering. They were shouting. He shot and Brentford fans have gone, way. And then it's dipped in the top corner. So we're thinking if fans behind the goal have thought it's going over, player people, players on the pitch have probably thought it's going over. The goalkeepers thought it's going over. One other debate yeah. that I saw... And me and my dad was giggling about it because we watched it here to go. Me and my dad was giggling about it. One Brentford fan said, no goalkeeper in the world is going to save that. And then another response was, yeah, but he should try. <laughs> oh, it doesn't like, make any better on, if you try. Yeah, it's, no, like, yeah. it's like, come on, guys. Cut the, cut the guy some grief. I did, it, I did some working out. He's played, because uh, I think, we've how many games have we played now? 18, 16? Something like that. I think, let's say we've played 16 games. Strokosha played two and a half games. Yeah. That means he's played 14, let's just say 14 games. In those 14 games, he has played behind 12 
different backlines. 12 different backlines. He has only played with the same defence twice. And that mm. was right at the start of the season. And I think I think it was Fulham away, Palace at home. Twice. Yeah. Two yeah, times. You make, you make good points. I think uh, as, as well, I mean, I, I, I had some choice words for some of the Brentford players on... On, on Saturday, just because of how miserable a day it was, and I just think it was a terrible performance. I, I decided to voice my opinion in, a, in our boys' group chat, which I think is fine. But going onto Twitter and, and tweeting some of the stuff that I see, it's just like, what what good, what vindication do you get from that? Just going on Twitter. Imagine if Flecken's scrolling through Twitter and he sees he is the worst signing that Brentford have ever made because of a goal that he could not have saved. It does no one yeah. any good. And, and, and I'm, I'm all just... for it. Like football's an emotional game, and you, you get angry at players, you get frustrated with players. But just don't don't put it on the internet. Why? But no Why? one, no no people are people are happy to criticise him, but will never praise him. If it wasn't for Flecken, we'd lost that game three or four nil. By the way, yeah, we'd lost that game three or four nil. He made three very important saves in that second half. A couple of really good ones as well. But that doesn't matter because it doesn't quite fit people's agenda. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree, and like, and fair enough. If if you've made your mind up on Flecken, I don't think he's the best keeper in the world. But there's there's no, no point in getting on his back. There's there's no point. It doesn't but, do anyone any good. And you you can you can think he's a bad goalkeeper and still and still want the team to win. But when you when you think he's a bad goalkeeper and you go online, you say he's the worst signing that Brentford have ever made. What, what are you doing? Just just like I, what, I think. What good does it bring? I, I think that the the least smart thing that you could do is compare him to David Raya because David Raya is arguably or probably undeniably actually the best goalkeeper we've ever had. He's gone to Arsenal and let's point out, shall we, that Arsenal fans want rid of him. They want him gone. Arsenal fans are out there on Twitter, social media, slating him saying that they don't want him at the football club anymore. Start Ramsdale. Ramsdale is shit. (laughs) <laughs> Ramsdale is shit and they want him to start they want him over Raya so yeah. oh, mate, I feel like it's got to the point now where no matter what happens we could win a game 7-0 and it'll be Flecken's fault we didn't win 10 <laughs> I think that's a good way to sum it up let's talk about some other players I think we need to talk about Keen Lewis Potter another one <laughs> Another one of the Brentford players that is kind of getting these collective groans when they give it away. You kind of you mentioned earlier the scapegoats in the past, John Swift, Romain Sawyer's. But like Mads, and Mads is definitely one of those already. But I feel like Lewis Potter is slowly getting there. Signed from Hull a couple of seasons ago, close to 20 million. Championship player of the season when we signed him. But he has been plagued by injuries throughout his Brentford career. Still hasn't scored in the league. Is is time running out for him to make a mark in this Brentford side, especially when you consider the fact that in a full strength eleven. Does he eat? Does he get near starting in the front three? So to, to answer the last point, no, he doesn't get near the front three because the with even with let's say Ivan Tony doesn't leave us, and I don't think he will, given the fact that we're going to have Brian out now for for mm-hmm. an extended amount of time, unless as we've said, someone wants to offer stupid money for Ivan, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> we don't have the personnel to be selling him, no. but a full fit, a full fully fit front three for me is Brian, Ivan and Kevin. Kevin, yeah. For yeah. me, Kevin Shod is ahead of Whistler. He's ahead of KLP as well. Unfortunately, KLP is falling down the pecking order based on the players that we bought in in summer and last January. Now, do I think there's a player in there? Yes, yeah. 100%. There is a player in there and he can 
come good. As you said, he's been plagued with injuries, as has everyone this season, it seems for us. But him more so than ever. I, I just, I don't know about anyone else, but I can't pick a performance that he's had off the top of my head and I go, he deserves a goal. Mm. And we, we spoke about him, I think, last week or the week before, where we were saying how he missed a goal from on the line against Brighton and he's managed to hit the other post yeah, yeah, somehow. Yeah. I I think it's unfair to write him off now. I know he's been with us for two seasons um, and a lot of Hull fans rated him higher than what they rated Jared Bowen as well. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think the injuries that we have now, with Sharder out, with Brian out, and I think we're, we're going to have to see more of Wissa as well, um, who has been invisible the last two games just to throw that out there, who also was lucky, I think, to not get sent off at Brighton, yeah, for, at Brighton, yeah, for slapping yeah. for slapping Billy Kilmore. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I I just feel like he needs a run of games. Yeah, he's been so in and out of the team, unfortunately with injuries. Just let's let's give him the time he actually needs to be in the team rather than watching from the sidelines. He needs a run of games, a run of games, and a comfortable home victory. Where he scores one, I think we're doing yeah. a world of good because you're right. And I, I, there is definitely make no mistake. I know Jay Harris is a massive fan of him. He's always doing articles about about KLP, and there is a player in there because you see it in flashes, especially when he's come off the bench before. He does provide something different to what our current yeah. wingers do in terms of being able to take on his man, and he doesn't have that pace in him that the other wingers do. But he's he's got quicker feet. I think he's better. Mm-hmm. He's a better dribbler than someone like Brian or, or Wisser. So. Hundred percent. I I do want him to come good. Like like a lot of our players that haven't quite made the impact that we think that they should have by now. I feel like Keenos Potter is probably at the top of that list. And we'll go on to Mikhail Damsgaard now because I think that's a good segue well, into, be, in be, terms of before, players. Be, before we do, just to put just a point because you brought Jay Jay up. Um, he posted a tweet after Sheffield United game or, or before it that it was the first game in four years. That Brian or Ivan Tony haven't been in the starting eleven. Four years. Four years. Yeah. Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, I think it wow. was four. It's three or four years. Yeah, first time that one or the other hasn't been in the starting eleven. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it it certainly showed because without without both of them, <laughs> without both of them, we looked fucking dreadful going forward. <laughs> but let's uh, let's talk about Mikel Damsgaard because. Two kind of cameo performances. The first one against Brighton, I thought was a lot better. I mean, Sheffield United, he he was looking. He's like he's he's kind of has that aura of Jensen. You know, you want someone to just when the pressure's on to just take your time, pick a pass, and 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 carry the ball. And he he did do that against Brighton. Maybe less so against Sheffield, but I know he's impressed you. You, you messaged me in the week and said that you want him to do well. So I'll let you take it away with this because I think we might actually disagree. What well, I'll start with by saying. Mikael Damsgaard has the tensile strength of a toothpick. He's <laughs> he's got no, he just you just look at him and you think there's nothing to me that suggests you should be a footballer. <laughs> like, he's just small, he's skinny, but I I want him to do well. I so want him to do well. Um, and before he got injured at the start of the season, back end of last season, I thought we saw a bit more of him. He was breaking into the team a little bit more. And he was impressing to the point where the only thing he was missing, again, like KLP, is a goal. Because I don't think he's yeah. scored for Brentford yet. No. Um, the only thing he's missing is a goal. 
He came on at Brighton and I thought he was the only player with any positivity or any forward thinking on the pitch. And I thought much the same again against Sheffield United. He's, he's, how, how long has he been in for? Two seasons now? Yeah, two. Two? And yeah. I, I think that people are willing to give KLP an opportunity, but they're not willing to give Damsgaard an opportunity. And these are players that have both been through long-term injuries. They're both breaking into the team. Damsgaard was breaking into the team and unfortunately got got that injury in August, I think, since the Fulham game. And I, I, I rate him and I want him to do well. I just want him to do well so badly. He's that player that, for some reason, he's just sort of, he's got a place in my heart as a Brentford player. <laughs> I think, I don't think you can ignore, you can't go past the fact that the, the stuff you mentioned at the top of your answer is, he just is, he's so slight. He's so slight. And, and I've touched yeah. on it before in the podcast. He's definitely one, he's definitely a player that when you look at, you think, okay, maybe you do well in Serie A like he did. Yeah. Uh, his last club but in the Premier League I just I can't get around the fact that he's not that quick he gets muscled off the ball and it even happened against Brighton and Sheffield United at least once when he tried to kind of take a couple of touches which which I'd encourage as well if we're 1-0 down and you want someone to just have a little bit of presence and calmness on the ball he takes a little bit of touches and he just gets easily barged off the ball and I'm just thinking you need to get on the damn shakes mate because because <laughs> because you, you just need you need to bulk up a bit and and because he just gets muscled off it too easy so i'm not sure that like throwing him on when we're one nil down against sheffield united and it's freezing outside and it's chris wilder and there's a big atmosphere i don't know if he i don't know Who if he's that kind of player to do that, that and it might be like we, a we don't it we might, didn't have anyone on. else you know what i mean we didn't have anyone else to bring on at that point we didn't have yeah. anyone else so it, it's it's difficult it's it's hard to compare him his performance not compare, analyse his two performances over the last game. Because Sheffield United, was it Sheffield United or was it Brighton? Norgard missed Brighton, didn't he? Yeah, he was yeah. Brighton. He's coming into a midfield, which was <laughs> three players who, I don't think the three of them have started a midfield game together anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, we're putting players who are coming back from injury, KLP as well, coming back from injury into a makeshift B-team hybrid of Brentford players. So I think I think I've been impressed. I have been impressed with what by him. A couple of people I've spoken to have said, "Yeah, he's come on and he's he's been quite forward thinking, been quite a positive player." And I see him starting against Villa on Sunday. Yeah, we'll we'll get on to Villa first. I think uh, normally we do a hot topic segment at this point in the podcast, but I thought. Because we'll, we'll because we've been talking about injuries the whole episode, and I thought it'd be quite on brand to just kind of take a step back and look at the injuries we've got, oh, uh, and sort of you know we're going to take a look at first our what we both think our full strength 11s are, followed by how we'll look to line up after Christmas with with some players going off to Afghan. Obviously, Brian might not be one of those anymore. But first of all, the injury list is as it stands. Chris Ayer, who I think is back at towards the end of December as is Nathan Collins, although I did see a picture of him in training today, which is good. Rika Henry is obviously far more long-term. Aaron Hickey's, I think, is the end of December. Jens and I haven't actually... They said he was touch and go before the Brighton game, and then he was out for Brighton and Sheffield United, so I don't know what the timescale is there. JDS looks like he's back on the grass, but again, another one of those players who... Out of the players that I'm listing, I'd say he's probably the one that isn't nailed on to start. Kevin Sharder, I say, just as he was hitting the right kind of form, he's now injured, but I think he's back towards the end of December. 
Brian and Bumo's a bit more long-term, especially because now he could be out for AFCON, and obviously Ivan Tony is suspended. But we only have three more games until Ivan Tony plays for Brentford again, which is quite exciting when you think about it. So when you look at that, bar Josh De Silva, I'd say there's a case for every single one of those players to be in the first 11 for Brentford. So I'll put it to you, I'll put it to you first, Craig. I reckon we're probably going to massively agree on these line on these lineups. But what's your strongest Brentford 11, 1 to 11? And you mean including the with that including in, so if, if no one's injured if okay. we've got a full strength team to pick so, which is quite fun because it's like we don't have it at the moment so this is quite <laughs> it's quite fun to do. So uh, Fleckin's in goal. Um, yeah, Fleckin's in goal. Fuck I know I'm gonna we, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for our our non top non top six team four three three. Okay. So I've got Rico at left back. Aaron Hickey at right back, and I've got Nathan Collins and Ethan Pinnock as my two centre backs. Mm-hmm. I've got Norgard, Yanel, and Jensen in the middle, with Kevin one side, Brian the other, and Ivan as the main man. Right. What? So no, no, you're not putting Yamo in, no. With a full strength team, uh, he can come off, come on after six. I quite like, I quite like to see him. I quite, yeah, I quite like to see him maybe replacing Yano. But Yano is one of those players. I've got mixed feelings about Yano sometimes because he never really puts a foot wrong, but at the same time, he doesn't really light up a game. And I guess you can't really do that from midfield. But he is kind of seven out of ten every game. He's one of those players. He's kind of like he, Jake, reminds me of Jake yeah. Bidwell a little he's, bit. He's he's consistently consistent, which is yeah. what we need in a midfield player. And so, you know, he's been playing at left back for the last five games. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good midfield. I mean, in, ter- in terms of your in terms of your one to eleven, I think I'd I'd say you're bang on, pretty bang on. I mean, the only thing is against the top six teams. I mean, it would be kind of quite a, an easy switch to just plug Ayer in as the third centre half yep. and then push Icky out to the right. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I think you're pretty bang on the money. It's just like it's so sad because I'm thinking about that kind of starting eleven with either Yano or Yamo. I would actually campaign for Yamo to 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 take his place in that team alongside Norgard and Jensen. But against that, like that starting eleven, if we played them against Brighton, I'm looking at that game and I'm I'm feeling yeah. so much different in terms of the space because I know Brighton dominated the ball and, and we were chasing shadows and there was a massive golfing class. But with a full-strength team, I'd fancy that team, especially with Hickey at right back. It was such a big miss. And obviously, Rico, it's just down those flanks. I think those those two yeah. flanks are the biggest, and they're bigger misses than Ivan Tony. I, 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 as, soon as, as soon as Rico got injured at Newcastle, everyone knew that the whole yeah. team was going to be different. He's, he's one of those players that you just know. Okay, yeah, we get 7 out of 10 from Vita every game, but we'll, we'll get a 9 Nine ten from Rico every single game. It doesn't matter who he's playing, whether it's Luton, whether it's Liverpool, you know, whether we get Mansfield in the cup or he's playing Man City. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. he's our ten out of ten player every week. He had one blip against Bournemouth, which he gave the ball away, which was somehow Flecken's fault from people's people on social media. But <laughs> you know, yeah, he's he's the biggest miss. Rico for me is the biggest miss because yeah. we've got players who can cover the right hand side, but we just we never seem to have anyone who can cover the left. Yanel's done a good job, but he's not Rico in me. No. Yeah, and for all that Yano actually offers you at left uh, left back, I've spoken about it before because I think he's got better sort of technical ability than Rico. He could pick a pass better when he's on that left hand side, but just in terms of Rico's kind of bombing up and down, his one v one defending is 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 next to none. Uh, when you yeah. when you look at those injuries that we've got, I mean JDS, I, another one of those players who 
was we've spoken about it at length on the podcast before in terms of how much how important he was to that championship side and he was one of our yeah. best players if not if not the best player besides Ivan Tony another one of those players where you look at he's now had another injury there's a great podcast that the people on uh, the beautiful game podcast did with Josh De Silva he's one of those players <clears throat> like you mentioned with Damsgaard he's got a place in my heart because I just want him to succeed so badly yeah. and I really hope that when he comes back he kind of hits the ground running because when he's at his full flight he, he like I said Unreal. one of the one of the best players in the championship uh, yeah. during that season where we went up uh, who else in, in terms of those just, gone just just saying I think we've I think we've noted down nine players Aya Collins Rico Hickey Jensen JDS Shada and Ivan so we've no, noted down nine players and I put seven straight in <laughs> seven of those nine straight into my starting 11 so yeah take take from that what you will do you know what I mean when when Eddie Howe is complaining that he's the worst hit manager in the league for injuries get fucked yeah <laughs> <I, laughs> that rattled me when he said that he Newcastle have been hit the most of injuries that rattled me so bad <laughs> just just a, just another question I was listening to a podcast the other day and they kind of said that when when teams are in these kind of injury troubles and they say, you know, we'll be fine when they all come back. They they pointed out that a lot of the time it's never that fine when they do come back. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah. we've, we've spoken about, you've spoken about KLP coming back from injury and he's kind of looked a little bit shaky. We've spoken about Damsgaard as well. Some of these players, when they do come back from these injuries that are long term, especially someone like Rika Henry, whose who's ACL is now, is, is that his third ACL tear, I think? Second or third. Second, I second, or, second or third. Yeah, one of the two. I remember that. So he's he's not going to be the same player. Um, in terms of the other players, I mean, Ivan, I think, is going to be even better. But someone like Josh De Silva, I just feel like maybe he's just had one too many injuries now for it to work. Yeah. Chris Chris Ayer, it's a weird one with him because he's not, it's not he's not had like a long term injury, but he's had like a he's just had a constant short term injury. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I hope it's going to be better, but. In terms of those players that do come back after Christmas, I just I, some I don't know why, because because we're normally like a bundle full of positivity on this podcast, but for some reason I was just thinking maybe it's just I'm I'm spending too much time talking to Callum. He's so negative all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I see Callum's tweet the other day, and he was like, "How have we got ourselves into this mess? We could be near the relegation zone come Christmas." Yeah, <laughs> but he's he's the think... most. He's the most negatively positive person and the most positively <laughs> negative person I've ever met in my life. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll we'll be praying. We'll be praying when these injuries do come back that we'll we're, be in a much we're, better we're talking position. About, we're talking about possibly changing back to an entirely different, you know, outfield out, <laughs> outfield team. Yeah, we might have a little spell. So let's say we get Ivan back, we get Nathan Collins, we get... Aaron Hickey, Sharder's not far off. We get JDS, uh, Matty Jensen, and Brian's obviously going to be out for a little bit. So and, and I is going to be back. We're, we're talking about seven seven players yeah. who can affect and will affect the eleven every week. So mm-hmm. Thomas Frank's going to go from having one headache of fuck, I ain't got no bloody players to put out to play against Sheffield United to shit. I've got too many players again. <laughs> well, that's that's what we hope for. We hope for positive headaches. Positive yeah, headaches is what headaches, we need. Good headaches. Yeah, we'll we'll go on to Villa. Um, probably couldn't have picked a worse time <laughs> to play Villa, yeah. considering you know they're they're the form team in the league, coming off the back of back to back wins against 
last season, start with Challenger City and Arsenal. I mean, the way they played against City was just incredible. I've never, I've not seen a team dominate City like that. Uh, I mean, I know we've beat them twice, but ours, ours went smash and grab wins, but they were different no. kinds of wins. We hit them on the counter and took our chances yeah. and deserved the wins. But I mean, Villa deserved more than just a goal. Arsenal, they kind of, it's such a football cliche, but you know, the, the good teams still win when they're playing badly. I mean, they did hang on for a bit against Arsenal and Arsenal did have their chances, but they've just beaten two two of the title yeah. challenging sides from last season. They've won 15 games in a row at home. I mean, having said that, having said that, I know and I, I'm trying to, you know, bring the positivity back into the podcast. It would be so Brentford for us to go and beat Villa on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I posted a tweet. I don't know if you saw it. Um, I posted a tweet which said, I'm expecting one or two results <laughs> this weekend. Based on Villa's form, I'm expecting either Brentford 1, Aston Villa 0, or Brentford nil, Aston Villa six. I have no in between. I have no in between. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we could have we could have Collins back by the time that comes. We'll have to wait until Thomas Frank's press conference to give some updates for him to give us some updates yeah. on 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 the injuries that we have at the moment. But it's just a big shame. I mean, with with some of the key personnel we have back for this game, with the atmosphere that will be down there at the G Tech on Sunday, it is one of those ones. Like, don't know why, but when we play the top six at home. Well, when we have a big game at home, I always expect us to perform. And it's probably probably unwarranted because I don't know what our record is like against the top six at home. Because I know we picked up quite a few wins away from home. But just they, I used to have a feeling when we used to go down to Griffin Park, when there was a big game against a team that were near us in the league or against a team that were near the top of the league, I always felt like the, the fans could really be the 12th man in that game. And I feel like we might have another one. And I'm trying to be positive, but we might have another one on, on Sunday. What, what do you think? It's going to be... Another, it's gonna be tough. Tough game. It's, it's gonna, gonna be, be tough. tough. <laughs> um, I, I'm an advocate for getting behind the boys, no matter who we're playing. But if we can, if we can get an atmosphere like we have had recently, I I have felt like our home and away sport has been a lack, bit lackluster recently. Now I don't know if that's down to a bit of negativity around the injuries that we've got and the teams that we're putting out, performances that we're putting in. I. I, I also I also see there being a bit of sourness if we lose on Sunday. Mm. I, I just it's completely out of Thomas Frank's hands, and it's completely down to the eleven that he puts out to make their point and make their case for themselves when you know our full eleven is back to back to full fitness, but yeah. they haven't they haven't done it. You know, we yes, we beat Luton, and yes, they put in a very good performance against Man City, and they beat. You no, know, they lost to Arsenal four three, a cracking game that was, by the way, cracking yeah, game yeah. that was. But they weren't. They weren't very good. You yeah. know, they weren't very good when we played them. Yeah, we had a really good performance against Arsenal. We've won once. We've won. We got three points in the last five games based on one win, which was against Luton, which. It's horrendous form on paper. Yeah. I hate to say it because I don't like being negative, but I see no other result than a Villa win this weekend. I just think that we don't have the personnel at the moment to compete with teams that are on such a high as they are. Yeah. I mean, there's not not a team on a bigger high than them at the moment after, you know, back-to-back wins. I think they're probably winning Europe on Thursday as well. If... If I'm so, not mistaken, 
I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm tempted to look at the table now, actually. If results go their way... Yeah, they could end up top. And they beat us, they could end up top of the league, yeah. Yeah, they could. You yeah. know, two, two points behind Liverpool, a point behind Arsenal. Um, yeah. And who do they yeah, play no. this weekend? Who do Liverpool Arsenal play? Liverpool are playing United, I'm pretty sure. Don't know who Arsenal are playing, but it's... Liverpool, uh... Liverpool are... Are at home to United and Arsenal are at home to to Brighton. So there's and this is all on Sunday as well. So they've got a yeah. real a real shout and top top of the Premier League. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean we're we're gonna. I'm recording an episode with a with a Villa podcast tomorrow, so we're gonna talk about sort of Villa more broadly. But <clears throat> I mean, just going into that game on Sunday, like you mentioned, I do think it would be very Brentford if we if we manage to somehow win. Nick but is, yeah, <clears throat> but with with the injury crisis that we've got at the moment it is looking pretty bleak against a Villa side that, uh, you know, they haven't played this well in, in 50 years or whatever it is. So, <laughs> so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do a little bit more of an in-depth dive into Villa tomorrow. So look out for that. But just before we, we wrap up the podcast, guys, I do want to talk about the podcast just more broadly in general. Since we've started doing it, we've, we've loved sort of every minute of it. It's been great. But yeah. just to give the listeners a little bit of like a analysis of the numbers that we're getting and, and stuff that we we want to come of the podcast in terms of the youtube which everyone can see we get between 100 and 200 views per video every week uh, and that's two videos a week in terms of what we get on audio platforms it's closer to sort of six seven hundred so we're about a thousand listens per episode give or take depending on if we lose or we win there's, there's actually quite a big disparity depending on if we lose or we win <laughs> which is weird because if i was a brentford fan and i was listening to another brentford podcast i'd love to listen to when we lose for some reason well, but well, just to figure out what if people have the same kind of issues that i have with the performance but based well, on what we see we actually get more <laughs> listens when we win i don't I really understand well i'd like to just say based on the fact that we've lost two games on the bounce now and the numbers that we give i'd just like to say hi dad thanks for watching again <laughs> uh... <laughs> but yeah no it's just just in terms of the the comments on YouTube is what I want to talk about specifically. We get I don't know 100 between 100 and 200 people listening uh, watching each week on YouTube. I think it would be absolutely great if we managed to kind of start a little YouTube community, if you will. If if you list if you're watching on YouTube right now, drop a comment, and it would be great if we could see people dropping comments on each video. And we whether it be me, Craig, Callum, or Dan, or Clayton, or whoever it is, we'll check back in and we'll have a little conversation, and we can sort of have i don't know might be ambitious to have 100 people commenting on the video but if we had sort of 10 or 11 comments each week it'd be great to get a little conversation going so that we could kind of bring it into the next episode as well we can be like okay well this person said this last week let's talk about this in the next episode it would be a good kind of bridge and good talking points it's always good to kind of have a little community or a little fan base within the fan base within the broader fan base so if you're watching on youtube it would be great if we could kind of turn this platform into a kind of a gpg Take two, because, you know, the GPG, the GPG probably needs reforming. And I, I, that's all I'm going to say. Sorry, Trevor, if you're listening, but um, it can be it can be a bit crazy on the GPG at some at some point. So let's let's try and, you know, boost these comments up and we'll get a kind of conversation going each week, which I think would be really good, Craig. Yeah. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Couldn't agree more. Exactly. Perfect. So I'll leave it there. The Ealing Mirror podcast will be back on Thursday with that Aston Villa preview. I'm recording an episode tomorrow night with Neil from the For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. Bit of a mouthful of that, but anyway. So yeah, look, look, out, look out for that one. We'll be talking Villa as title challengers, key men in their team, of which there are many, including uh, Ollie Watkins is a familiar face in there. So yeah, much, much more to look forward to on that one. And I'm actually really looking forward to it because I think that Villa conversation in terms of just a more broader football conversation, it's an incredible story just in terms of, you know, the size of the club, Villa Park, that incredible home run that they're on at the moment, 15 wins on the bounce, that's just mental. 
but yeah, so that that'll be coming out on Thursday night, and you'll have three days to to have a look at that one. And like I said, drop some comments on this video, drop some comments on that video, and we can hopefully get kind of a little forum going each week. So yeah, just before we go, guys, remember to subscribe to our YouTube and Spotify channels, leave a rating and also leave a comment and also give us a follow on our socials. That's at the Eden Road on Twitter and at Eden Road Pod on Instagram. Pray in a pleasure, mate, as always. And I'll see you on Sunday. Podcast Network.